Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. We are in a season of Advent. Many of you know this, but Advent literally means like arrival. Uh, we celebrate the arrival of Christ. When he first came, we look back and we have the sense of remembering what happened in a little town called Bethlehem and what the gift of Emmanuel, God with us, is actually all about. And so in one sense of Advent, it's, a, it's this kind of ability to look back and remember. And yet at the same time, we also look ahead and we look ahead to the coming return of our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, our rabbi. And yet we find ourselves in this liminal space, in this kind of in-between, the idea of remembering and looking ahead, this kind of moment of, yes, he came and he will come again. We, we live in this space. And for many, many years, I've often used the language of adventure. We are in this adventure. We are journeying towards this kind of people walking as the, as, the, as the church as we look with hope of his return. But sometimes, for many of us, as we are on this journey towards the second coming, as we walk and live out this arrival that is going to happen, we have all of this life that comes at us. We have the difficulties, the anxieties. The worries, the struggles, the darkness, the war, the pain. And for many of us, oftentimes in the middle of this journey, we can look back and we can have this sense of fondness. Oh, what must that have been like? And yet as we begin to look ahead, for some of us, we almost lose a little bit of hope. And I honestly, if, I, if I'm really, really honest, I'm not looking forward to 2024. I'm not looking forward to another presidential election. I'm not looking forward to how divisive our world can be. And sometimes in the middle of that, even in the adventure of moving towards, I can lose sight and track of what's most important. And there's something that I've, I've learned, something that has, has, has shaped me, something that has, um, something I absolutely avoided for the majority of my life, that today I want us to practice. And, and it's, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, so I'm signposting this moment that we are all going to experience some uncomfortability, um, and you're like, why did I come today to church? <laughs> Um, but I promise you if, you, if you can actually begin to apply this one practice to your life, you will learn and discover an inner fortitude, a deep resolve as you live within this liminal space between the first coming and the second coming that no matter what the noise and the darkness is, you can remain. And I'm telling you, you can remain, as we sang in the presence of the Lord, you can remain steadfast and sure. You can remain in peace and in full integration. Amen. And this is my prayer. 
So with that, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we are in the songs of Advent. We are looking at three songs. We had Pastor Lenny D. talk about Mary's song. This week, we're going to talk about a priest's song. Next week, Bria is going to unpack the angel's song. And these songs, I think, are really, really helpful for us. Luke 1, if you have a, need a Bible um, and you have a smartphone, you can go to BibleGateway.com or there's some uh, Bibles in front of you in the pews. Luke 1, verse 5, I'm going to read for a moment. This is the birth of John the Baptist, birth of J to the B foretold. It says this, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So real quick, these two are good and righteous and holy and set-apart people. Continues on, verse 7. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. They're like, thanks a lot, Luke. You didn't have to put that in the Bible, but thanks. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And hear this, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, Put yourself in the story. Imagine yourself, and we all probably have one prayer that we have been begging God for. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's community. Maybe it's some form of connection, opportunity. And imagine like one moment you just are doing something that you often would do, and you meet an angel of the Lord. And all of a sudden, he's like, it's going to come to be. And it's actually going to be far greater than you can imagine it to be. Now imagine how you would respond to that. And Zechariah, look what he says. So honestly and so humanly, in verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man And my wife is well along 
in years. Smart guy. He doesn't say that she's old. He just says, well along in years. But do, do, you, do you hear the honest question here? How can I be sure of this? I think for many of us, we're, we're in this liminal space. We look back at the first advent, the first coming of Christ. We look ahead towards the second coming. And yet, as we walk in faithfulness and try to be steadfast in our hope and our truth of walking with the Lord, some of us, I think, sometimes are like, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure? And there's something inside, I think all of us, that doesn't want to be tricked, that doesn't want to do it wrong, that wants to ensure that somehow that what we are giving and and plowing and working our life towards that will come to some sense of healthy fruition. But I've been meeting with this this guy who who does a bunch with neuroscience and, and, and leadership. He's genius. And he said that there are four survival practices, tactics, if you will, for many of us who live in this liminal space between looking back and looking ahead. The first one is this, is that we all want to look good. And you might say, what, what do you, no, 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 no. Well, when's the last time you posted something on Instagram without a filter? Well, just think about the last time you tripped. What is the first thing that you do? You look around. And then you start jogging just to make sure everyone knows you didn't trip, right? We have this sense that we want to look good. Second thing is survival technique is that we want to actually feel good. We're going to do whatever we can to literally feel good. And, and oftentimes we have this, these emotions, these, these like fears, these worries, this sadness. And, and, and all of a sudden inside of us, it's like this firefighter takes over. And if your house has ever been on fire, and I hope that never happens, but if your house is ever on fire, the firefighter's not going to walk in and be like, hey, uh, it looks like you have a baseball card collection. Do you want to keep those baseball cards? And you're, no, they're not going to ask you, do you want, do you want that couch? Do you, do, you, do you want that TV? If they see something on fire, the firefighter's like, I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm going to take that fire out, whatever I have to do. And for many of us, when we have these feelings of anxiety or worry or fear of being uncertain and unsure, this internal firefighter takes over and goes, just escape that feeling and get busy, do whatever you need to do just to numb that voice out. Many of us want to look good. We want to feel good. Third is we want to be right. I never met anyone who's like, you know what, I want to be wrong. But we, but we fight to be right. And, and we, we want to actually make sure, man, I'm doing this the right way. I'm doing it right. I know what's right. We want to look good. We want to feel good. And we want to be right. And, and the fourth one is that we want to be in control. I want to make sure that, like, I, 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 yes, you're telling me to walk in faith, but no, 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 I, 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 want, I want to do it. I, I want to be driving this. I want, to, I want to be in control. And for every one of us, this is, this is the gift of faith. This is the gift of a journey with Jesus. No matter where you are on the journey, the adventure is not actually to try and do what you can to look good, but to choose growth. How can I grow as a Christ follower? It's not just trying to feel good, but it's actually trying to choose to be uncomfortable. 
that's what Jesus is going to invite us into. You've heard me talk about the cruciform life. It's how do we enter into the uncomfortable? Because in the uncomfortable prepares us for what is all around us. And it's not necessarily trying to be right, but how do we as a people get curious? Profoundly curious. And it's not us going, man, i got to be in control, but here's, here it is. It's not about being in control. It's about being committed. Committed to my relationship with my wife. I'm committed to my relationship with Christ. I'm committed. Not in control. I am committed. And when you can begin to lean into that, all of a sudden, you will experience more. And so Zechariah just says, how can I be sure of this? Look what the text says. It says this. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Just such a great way to start. I am Gabriel. I have a name. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I love this. And here's, here's the truth. Zechariah often gets a bad rap because we often compare his story with Mary's. Mary, this young teenage girl, and she ponders stuff in her heart. She, she says, whatever it is you want, Lord, I will do. She is so faithful. And then you've got a priest, a religious leader, who's like, who teaches people about this stuff. And then an angel shows up and he's like, are you sure? which should be very convicting to, to many of us, is that even though you can speak about it, can you be about it? Even though you can talk about it and proclaim it, can you actually embody it? And because the inability to do this, the angel says, you're not going to speak. You're going to have to live in the uncomfortability of silence. Of silence. So, before we go any farther, the, the, the remaining part of the story is that Zechariah goes home. He's unable to talk. And somehow um, he and his wife um, experience some connection. And a number of months later, John is born. Now, here's what I really want to talk about. Is this simple question. What is your relationship with silence? And, and oftentimes I'll do this. I'll flip the classroom a little bit. I'd, I'd love to honestly hear from you. What is your relationship with silence? And, and let, me, let me start by this. I'll, I'll kind of divide you up a little bit. How many of you, show of hands, are extroverts? All right, that means you get energy from, like, people and noise and opportunity. How many of you are introverts? That's a, that's a good amount of people for City of Elgin introverts. I love this. Okay, all right. So... Let's say this, extroverts, how many of you appreciate silence? Okay, why? You have, a, you have a chance to think. I love that. That's a great one. I have a chance to think. What else? This side's dominating. We got one, two, three, so just, just know. What about this side? Extroverts. Why, why do you appreciate or what's your relationship with silence? It could be good, bad, indifferent. Constant noise otherwise. Yeah, Bob. You struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to slow down. That's honest. I receive that. What about over here? What? Yes. 
Yes. What about up there? Cheap seats. They're like, we're being silent right now. Right here. In my limited time of silence is when I actually connect with God. I can put the mic down and we can go home. Um, that is like the sermon right there, right? It's like, in my, in my limited time, just, just sit with that statement, how deep that statement is. In my limited time in silence, I connect with God. Flip that, because I really, really resonate. Then how often are we connecting with God? Right? For the introverts. Introverts, talk to me about, <laughs> they're like, no, I don't. It's a, you already made me turn and greet. I'm not going to talk to you. Right back there. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, I just want to make sure everyone heard you, Alexa, sorry. Ooh. Good words right there. Decompression and regulation. That's good. That is really good. All right. Anyone else? Right there. Yes. I need to learn from you. Because oftentimes the silence is really, really scary. But when you actually can get really, really comfortable with the silence, something happens. Come on. Balcony. Wait, wait, what? Strength. And then what did you say? Lack of pressure, yes. There's like almost a sense of exhale. Someone said over here, right? Joy? Joy, yeah, that's good, that's good. Now, <clears throat> here's what I want us to do today is because silence is something that is actually really, really a part of the scriptures. And I honestly think the more that we can spend time alone with God, the more that we can actually with our time, declare that God is safe. Because if you really start to interrogate, why don't I spend time with God? Sometimes we don't want to spend time with our own thoughts. Sometimes we don't want to decompress. Sometimes like we're just so familiar with the pressure that we carry. But what, what if we actually could become the kind of people that <sighs> could just be still? could be silent. I actually think with all the noise that's around us that we'd be able to walk with a calmness, with a contentment, with a peace, with a regulation that actually would allow our eyes to be fixated on Jesus and not on all of the other stuff. And when all of the other stuff starts to swirl in, we knew that we could come back to a place of and allow God to speak. So, for our remaining 97 minutes together, um, I want to lead us in a couple of moments of silence. Okay? And some of us, some of us are, you're going to hate this. And, um, but I'm telling you, if you, if you can start to do this, it, it'll change everything. And I want you to know that what I was going to do for this teach was just sit on stage and the whole thing was going to be just on PowerPoint. So, and I was like, that's probably not the smartest thing for me to do, but I thought it would have been awesome. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read you a couple passages. And the couple passages are just going to be able to set up some ideas. All right? 
And I'm going to try to have some themes for us. And basically, the simple, short breath prayer is going to be this. Lord, meet me in the silence. And then I'm going to give us 90 seconds. And if you find yourself drifting, and you find yourself, like, thinking about what I have to do this week, it's okay. No shade, no shame. Just bring yourself back and go, meet me in the silence, Lord. Meet me in the silence. Now, first story that I want to go to is in 1 Kings. And 1 Kings uh, is a story of Elijah who he really wants to, to meet with God. He wants to meet with the Lord. He wants to see God. And many of us know this, this story, but I, I think the verbiage in Hebrew is so beautiful. We see this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, to this. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replies, I am very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind there, after the wind there, was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Or in Hebrew, it literally is the sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. What I want you to do right now is just have a moment. and Just ask yourself where you find yourself looking for God. In the busy, in the loud, in the overarching just in this moment, just try to connect yourself with the sound of sheer silence. Lord, meet us in the silence. Think about all the noise that you just heard. The sound of a car driving by. The little, little sounds outside. Remember like when you were in junior high and you went to PE and you walked into the gym and you heard the sound of those, that lights. And then within a matter of moments, it tuned out. Until you stopped and nobody was dribbling a basketball, but you could hear it. You're like, oh, there's that buzzing again. Imagine what it was for Elijah was there was no noise. You were in absolute silence. And I think part of it is just like learning to get comfortable with that. Did you know the, the song, Silent Night, one of the greatest Christmas carols of all time, was written in the 1800s. It was written by an Austrian priest. The language and the lyrics kind of got taken over every once in a while. People added to it, subtracted from it. But the, the, the melody just became so powerful. And in 1914, Christmas Eve, World War I, German soldiers, American soldiers, French soldiers 
Germans had these little baby Christmas trees in the trenches. And something happened where they began on Christmas Eve to literally just show the Christmas tree away from their family, away from their kids, away from their loved ones. And they walked into enemy lines and they had a truce. They dropped their guns. And you can study this and read about this. In 1914, they sang Silent Night in German and in French and in English. And for one night... There was a silence from the violence. 554 murders in the city of Chicago this year. 18,000 Palestinians killed. 1,500 Israelis killed. And sometimes I don't know what to say online, and sometimes I don't know what to do. Sometimes I just feel like it's a bunch of noise. And yet there's these moments where all I can simply do is just pray and intercede and just say, can there be a silence from the violence? Can there just be a moment where we just put down the guns? Can there just be a moment where we just say, you know what, the, the image of God is in you and the image of God is in you and the image of God is in you and the image of God is in you. And there's a moment where you just have to sit and go, gosh. And, and then I read Romans 8, 26. And it says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I just thought, maybe, what, what if we as a church, we could just have a moment to say, maybe there would be more silent nights. I grew up in, in a tradition where we sang silent night, and it was a moment to, like, hug grandpa and, 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 and have a moment of connection. But man, I, I'm sitting here going, man, I want 1914 to happen in our city. I want 1914 to happen in our world. I want a silence from the violence. And so maybe just right now we can have 90 seconds just to intercede and say, Lord, may it be. Meet me in the silence, Lord. A silence to the violence. Two more, and then we'll be done. What's also amazing is in Exodus 19, before the Ten Commandments, Moses goes up to the top of Mount Sinai. And um, if you're familiar with it, it's like God comes down to the top of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up. It's like surrounded. And it's, 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 it's smoke. And, it's, and you're, you're like one of the Israelites. And you're looking up going, what's happening? And Moses is up there. And, and, and there's lightning. And there's storms. And then if you read Exodus 19, 19, it says Moses speaks and God answers him. But the actual Hebrew translation is God answered him with thunder. Which I always assumed was Moses spoke and God was like, thunder, from ACDC. But like, God, God answered him with a, and Moses was like, oh, holy ground, I'll, sh I'll shut up now. But, the, but the, the, the rabbis actually teach that it was a thunder from within. God spoke 
with a thunder from within, and that Moses was able to translate the thunder into ten words, which became the Ten Commandments. And I think oftentimes, when you look at people who have been inspired, most of the inspiration that often comes is when people are silent enough to be inspired, to actually experience and translate God's thunder into something, whether that's business, whether that's writing, whether that's an idea, whether that's, that's some sense of forgiveness, some act of, of holiness and goodness. And I think every one of us wants to be inspired. But sometimes our life is so noisy and so busy to actually be inspired. And for many of us, when we don't know how to sit in the silence to get inspired by God, what do we end up doing? We copy another person. And we feed off of their inspiration. Instead of actually spending time and believing that God actually wants to speak to us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Two more to go. Third one right now. Is now just simply say, Lord, meet me in the silence and inspire me. Jesus in Mark 14. He's up and Pilate's like, hey man, defend yourself. Man, like, Speak up for yourself. I don't want to have to do this. Defend yourself. And Jesus remains silent. Doesn't speak a word. Doesn't defend himself. Because he doesn't need to. Think about the conversations you've had with your spouse or a coworker, where you've tried to defend yourself. Tried to rationalize why you did what you did. And sometimes there's a moment just to sit there and listen and not defend. When you can actually practice living in the sound of sheer silence, you will become a less defensive person. Because your hope and your eyes are fixated on the way of Jesus. But that's not the last one. The last one's back to Zechariah. And you think about Zechariah. Nine, ten months of sheer silence. He can't speak. He's just walking around listening to everything. He hears the quail. He hears the sounds. He, he just hears differently. And then all of a sudden, if you read the story, he finds himself at the circumcision of his boy. And this is on the eighth day after the child's been born. They bring him to be circumcised. And they also name him in this moment. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth says, we're going to call him John, because she's heard from the Lord, too. And all of the religious leaders are like, but there's no one in your family named John. We're going to call, you should call him Zechariah, because men trying to mansplain a woman, it's not helpful. And then all of a sudden, they look to John, who's mute, thinking John's not going to say anything. And John asks for a writing tablet, gets a writing tablet, and say, the boy's name is John. And he shows it to him. And at that moment, he can speak. And then the text says, he goes on praising and singing songs. And then this is what he writes. This is what he writes. And you're like, I hate this sermon. 
But look what he says. He says this. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Real quick, here's a guy who goes, how can I be sure that this will be? angel and now he's like oh this is who he's gonna bend this is what he's gonna do this is how he has been faithful this is what he's gonna continue to do all because he had nine months of silence so here's what I want you to do if you have a smartphone I want you to pull it out I want you to to get it to an to a place where you can email yourself or the notes app If you have a a pen and paper, you have something to write, this is the last one, and then I'll close, and then we can go. But I want you just to reflect back to what you heard. Not, not, Not from up here. I want you to reflect back to what you heard in the silence. Maybe it's it's more of a Lord, this is scary. Maybe it's Oh, I had this, this idea. Oh, God, you are so kind. You are so good. You are so, whatever that is, I just want you to take 90 seconds, two minutes, and maybe just in one sentence or two, just write out what you experienced and what you felt. For me, the simple thing as I was just sitting there was simply this. I give up trying to solve problems that are not mine to carry and Lord give me a deeper resolve to remember that you are safe consistent and worthy of trust I challenge you from this day forward up until Christmas give yourselves five minutes of silence maybe before a day maybe during lunch maybe before you walk into the house after work. Maybe it's a walk in the neighborhood, but if you can just take five minutes just to be with the Lord and not be afraid of whatever emotion comes up because God's gonna do whatever he can to get your full attention. But the more that we can begin to trust him, we won't just be people who look back and remember that first Christmas will be people who walk this adventure well as he returns again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace.